Thank you all for being here this morning. Uh, I want to share a little bit with you about Operation Christmas Child. You can be seated if you like. Um, Operation Christmas Child, I, I believe, is it, something that, that we can do uh, as a church, that we can reach the other side of the world. We can tell people about Jesus and the love of Jesus through giving a shoebox full of gifts uh, to young boys and young girls on the other side of the world in places where they don't have very much, where they don't, they don't receive very much ever. And uh, I, I just believe that this is a great thing. This church is all about service. Uh, one of the things that, that we're about is service. And if you look at what we talk about here, it's reach, teach, and serve. And if you look at the last portion, that the serve is going to be key for uh, Simple Church. And I want you to know that. I want to tell you just a, a few things, a few informational things about how to do this. What we're going to do is next week at 10 o'clock, uh, you can see over there on that wall, we've got different items that, that people have donated, and we want to continue to grow that. We want people next week to bring more items, to donate more items, and if you want to know what you need to donate, uh, there's a pamphlet over there, and some of you got one of these in your hand uh, this morning when you came in. If not, there's a, there's a table over there where you can grab one of these. It tells you about the stuff that you should put in uh, into the shoe boxes. We definitely need more shoe boxes. Uh, we choose, um, my family, we choose to get these from the Dollar Tree. Um, they're really cheap. They're only a dollar, of course, because they come from the Dollar Tree. But uh, one of the good things about these is once you give these to a child, they'll actually use these for more than just to open up their presents. They'll actually keep these and use them to carry things. Some of them use them to carry water, for example. Uh, they use these boxes over and over again. So that's one of the reasons that my family, we choose to get these. But if you have shoe boxes and you say, I just want to donate a shoe box because I know you guys need some, uh, let me ask you to do this. If you would, go ahead and wrap it if you want to. Uh, wrap it so that you can open it up and put stuff in it. Uh, what we're going to do at 10 o'clock next week is we're going to have the kids come and they'll actually... Uh, there's a choice you can make if you want to uh, designate your shoebox for a boy or girl and what age group that you want it to be for. And what we'll do is we'll let kids fill this out and we'll go let them pack up the shoeboxes for whatever boy or girl they want to fill it out for. So that's the idea about what we're doing next Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, and I wanted to share that with you. I really believe strongly in Operation Christmas Child. I believe it's a great ministry, and I want us to be a part of it if we're going to be a serving church. Uh, just real quick, a couple of things about what to put in the shoeboxes. Um, yes, it's great to put toys in there. One of the things that you can do is that uh, I know that a lot of people get these little toys out of a Happy Meal and stuff like that. And your kids play with them for about 8 to 10 seconds and then they throw them in the back seat and you have to clean them out of your car after about a month. You know what I'm talking about? Those toys, you can take those toys and bring them in here and, and we'll, we'll send them overseas. Uh, we'll send them as part of the shoe boxes. It's a great way to... To, to use some of these things that we don't really, I mean, our kids play with them for just a few minutes and then they're done with them. Uh, these kids would play with these kind of toys for years. Uh, remember that if you get toys, remember that this may go into a place that is in war-torn areas. So don't get like um, G.I. Joe men with pistols or ninjas with swords and that kind of stuff because it may bring up thoughts in their minds, negative thoughts. Uh, so just be careful about the kind of toys you choose. The other thing I would say to you is this. Uh, don't forget that these people don't have a lot. So if you can include toys, that's great. But what I recommend is you get toys in like a hygiene item or toys in like flip-flops or socks or something like that that could also fit into those shoeboxes because these people don't have very much. The places that these shoeboxes are going to, they're going into places where, I, I mean, I know that when I went to Haiti about a year and a half ago, uh, they didn't have shoes. Many of them didn't have any shoes whatsoever. I played soccer with about 10 kids uh, out on a, a, a dirty, rocky 
just field, and none of them had shoes on, and they all smoked me in soccer, by the way, but they, they didn't have shoes, and, and most of them couldn't afford shoes. They had uh, clothes that they wore to school and all that, but they didn't have shoes. So think about those kind of things as you're thinking about items to buy for Operation Christmas Child. Now, let, let me tell you this also. In order to be able to send these boxes overseas, it takes $7 to do that, just $7 to ship it. I don't know if you've ever tried to ship something to Lithuania, but typically it takes a lot more than $7. Uh, it only takes $7 to ship these things. So they ask for a $7 donation from each one of us. If we're going to put together a shoebox, it takes $7 to ship that shoebox over there. Um, if for some reason you say, Kenny, I don't know what to buy. I don't have any clue about the stuff that goes into them. I don't know how to buy those boxes, any of that kind of stuff. You say, I just want to make a cash donation. I just want to write a check to Operation Christmas Child. You can do that. That's perfectly fine. We've got buckets set up over there along the shelves. You can just give money, and we'll go buy the stuff, and we'll go buy the boxes and all that kind of stuff. If you just want to give money and say, here, y'all just go do it. I'll support it. That's perfectly fine. Uh, but now we come into our time of giving uh, for Simple Church. If you want to give, uh, if you want to bless as the Lord has blessed you, uh, this is your time to go and do that. There are envelopes underneath your chairs. If you want to make a tax-deductible contribution, just put your information on that envelope. If you just want us to use the information that's on your check uh, to make your contribution, just check the box. It says, use the information on my check, and that'll be fine. Uh, we also at Simple Church have online giving now. It's something we've just done this week. As a matter of fact, if you go to our website, simplyaboutjesus.com, you can actually use your credit or debit card to make a donation there. Uh, so feel free to do that. If you just click on giving, it will show you how you can do that, and it's very simple, very easy. Uh, let me pray for our offering, and then we'll have a time of giving. Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much uh, for this morning and the worship that we've already had. God, just how we've been able to sing your praises. Lord, I pray, God, that you have been honored this morning. Lord, and I pray that as we go into next week, as we prepare to give for Operation Christmas Child, as we prepare to pack shoeboxes, I pray that you would just instill a desire in people's heart, Lord, to reach out to the other side of this world for the gospel and for the kingdom of Jesus. Lord, I pray right now as people give to you as they've been given, Lord, I pray that you would just bless the giver, God, that you would honor uh, the giver right now. Lord, I pray that we would be good stewards with the money that you give. Lord, I pray that we would be good stewards uh, with everything that we're blessed with. God, this is all for your glory. This is all for your honor. In Jesus' holy, precious name I do pray. Amen.
worship that we've had this morning. God, I pray that your name has been honored. I pray that the name of Jesus has been lifted high, God, and that you have gotten the glory from it all. Lord, I pray now as we go into a time of reading and teaching and preaching of your word, God, I pray that you are also honored through that. I pray that you would do a great work in somebody's life today, somebody that needs to hear a word from you. They need a special touch from you. Lord, I pray, God, that they would receive that this morning. God, I pray that they would receive, uh, Lord, whatever they're seeking. God, I pray that if there's somebody here that is in need of uh, surrendering their heart and life to you, God, I pray that today, Lord, they would have their eyes open and their ears open to your gospel. I pray that you would pierce their heart, Lord, with the truth of your word, God, and change their life forever. We love you. We thank you for this time, too. In Jesus' name, I do pray. Amen. All right. Well, we're starting a new series this morning. Uh, all misfits welcome here. Um, I debated it quite a bit about whether or not I should use such a cheesy, corny kind of picture. Um, but I thought, you know what, this is a simple church. I don't really care what anybody thinks. So uh, what we're going to do is we're going to put some cheesy, corny pictures up there and talk about some cheesy, corny stuff from time to time. And it's going to be okay because I am cheesy and corny, unlike some of you that are really cool and really hip and all that. And, and I recognize that I'm not as cool as you guys. But anyway, I love this movie, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Does anybody remember this movie? It plays every single Christmas. Yes, thank you. Praise the Lord. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Everybody knows that, that. I don't know if it's claymation, animation, whatever. I don't know what it is. I know the figurines all move very awkward, and it's very herky-jerky, and it kind of gives me a seizure watching it. But that's okay. It's, it's a lot of fun. I love it. I love the story behind it. Um, everybody knows that. Uh, the island of misfit toys is where the, the toys go that, uh, that nobody wants. All the toys that uh, maybe you've got something wrong with them, maybe they're, they're not exactly right, they all go to the island of misfit toys because no kid wants a misfit toy, right? Uh, we know that, that that's kind of the story. And Rudolph, because he's got a red nose, he's a misfit too. And he's like, man, this is a place where I belong. This is a place where I fit in. I, I fit in at the island of misfit toys um, because I, I'm a little bit of a misfit myself, and he sings a song about being a misfit, and uh, we, we know that song too, and I'm not going to make you sing it this morning, that's okay. Uh, but uh, we know that there's, a, I, I'm just going to go through a few of the characters here that I recognize. There's a Charlie in the Box. Uh, everybody knows that Charlie in the Box, nobody wants a Charlie in the Box. No kid wants to play with a Charlie in the Box. It's supposed to be a Jack in the Box, but he's messed up because his name is Charlie, and he's a Charlie in the Box, and no kid wants a Charlie in the Box. We've got a uh, elephant with spots all over it, and nobody wants an elephant with spots because that's just not right. That's messed up in some way. Uh, I, I don't remember exactly uh, what the, the deal is with the airplane. He probably can't fly in some way, and he probably walks around, I think, if I remember correctly. The train has square wheels. There's also a, a boat that won't float. You know, There's all these messed up toys that nobody wants, and, and so they go to this place called the Island of Misfit Toys. Well, that's great, Kenny. It's a great movie. I appreciate you giving a plug for the movie. It'll be on in a few weeks. That's wonderful. What does this have to do with church, and what does this have to do with Jesus? Uh, well, the answer is very simple. Uh, Jesus came to rescue the misfits, right? Uh, that is good news for you and I because we're all misfits in some way. Now, you can try to pretend that you're really super cool and there's nothing wrong with you and all of that kind of stuff, and I got that, all right? I try to do the same thing sometimes. But when I go to sleep at night and I know exactly all the messed up stuff that I got going on or had going on or all the places that I came from and all that kind of stuff, I go, you know what? I really am kind of a misfit. Uh, did anybody, I know nobody in here probably probably fits into this category, but when you were like 
beginning to be a teenager, when you're like 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 years old, did you ever like feel kind of awkward? Did you ever look kind of awkward? Did you ever, you know, not quite fit in exactly right? You know what I mean, like different parts of your body grow faster than the others. You know what I mean, like you got a big bulbous head and like a little skinny body and like big huge feet. You know what I'm talking about, that awkward stage is what they call it. I, I went through that, okay. I know y'all are all blown away by that. I have not always been this cool. But, but really, there was an awkward stage for me. There was a time when I didn't, I didn't look exactly right. I weighed like eight pounds. I mean, I, I looked like this, you know, and uh, I couldn't gain weight to save my life. I mean, it didn't matter what I did. I could make, eat milkshakes for, uh, with every meal, and it, it wouldn't even matter. I couldn't gain weight to save my life. Um, and, and another thing about me is, uh, no offense to any band people in here, but I was in the band. Now, there's nothing wrong with being in the band, Kayla. It's great to be in the band. But listen... Being in a band when I was a kid, it wasn't necessarily the coolest place to be. You know what I mean? Like, and I, you know, everybody goes, man, well, all the cool kids are hanging out in the band. I should go play trombone. You know, it's not like, it wasn't always said like that, you know? So I was a skinny, weird-looking band geek. And also, to make matters worse, to make matters worse, I had allergy problems when I was a kid. I don't know if you know this, but... Snot running out of your nose is not the most attractive thing to the girls when you're trying to, you know, you're at that stage where you're trying to, like, get a girlfriend and all that kind of stuff. And, and for whatever reason, I would have terrible allergy attacks at different times of the year. Anybody ever struggle with allergies? Yeah. And I was like this weird kid at, at 12, 13 years old, and I was the only kid in school that would carry around a handkerchief. I mean, what kid carries around a handkerchief, you know? And I, I'm sitting there, and I'm having these awful allergy attacks. I couldn't use Kleenexes because Kleenex would just dry my nose out too much, and it would be just awful. I have this red nose. I look like Rudolph, as a matter of fact. And I used to have these handkerchiefs that I'd carry around, and my eyes would be all watery, you know, and my nose would be running, and... You know, weighed eight pounds in the band. You can imagine, I was a pretty cool kid at about 12, 13 years old, right? Right? And, and you know that anytime you're in a group of friends, you know, if you got three or four, group, four people in a little group and you're all cool and you're all hanging out together, somebody in that group is going to kind of be the butt of all the jokes. You know what I mean? And like if you're one-on-one -on -one with your friends, they're all cool and they're all good with you. But you get three or four in a group and all of a sudden somebody's got to be the butt of all the jokes. Somebody's got to kind of be the outcast. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. You've already guessed it. Yes, I was that kid, okay? I was the one that in my little group of friends, I was kind of the butt of all the jokes. And I was the one. And, and you know, it was, it was harmless. You know, it wasn't a big deal. But, all, you know, after a while, I got like, man, why are you always picking on me? You know, why am I always the one that... It doesn't really fit in so much, you know. Why am I the one that is the butt of all the jokes? I don't get that. And after a while, it did kind of bother me. But that's okay. You know why? You know why? Because we're all messed up in some way. We all fall short. We all got some kind of history or past or something like that. And uh, the good news is that this gospel that Jesus preaches, this good news that was brought to the world, was brought for the misfits of the world. It was brought for the people that are messed up, not exactly right, don't exactly fit in, all of that kind of stuff. It was brought for those people. And we're going to look at Luke chapter 2 this morning. Uh, when Jesus came into the world, the birth, you know, everybody knows Luke chapter 2. Linus recited it on the Charlie Brown Christmas. It is great. It is wonderful. We're going to read Luke chapter 2. My family reads Luke chapter 2 every Christmas Eve. That's one of our traditions is that we go and read Luke chapter 2. And we're going to look at, at these people 
that got to witness and be a part of the greatest event of all of history. Past, present, future, this was the event, man. And let's look at exactly what happened. Who was involved in this thing? And uh, I don't know that we'll be talking about the birth of Jesus for the next four weeks, but I know that we'll be talking about misfits. And uh, today we're going to kind of be looking at the shepherds. So if you will, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2 with me. In Luke chapter 2, it says that this in verse 1, At the time of the Roman emperor Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. Everybody's read this before, right? This is the first census taken when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had gone to Bethlehem in Judea, uh, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. I'm not exactly sure what obviously means, but we're going to ignore that for the time being and go on and read verse 6. And while they were there at the time came her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. And this is where we're going to start today. In verse 8 it says this. And at night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Now, we see in, in verse 9, this is where it gets good. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, do not be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. So here we see shepherds in the midst of angels. Now, why is that a big deal? You might think to yourself, well, shepherds, that's not so bad to be a shepherd, right? I mean, Abraham was a shepherd to, to some degree at some point in time, and, and David was a shepherd. It's not necessarily a bad thing to be a shepherd. And I would tell you that, no, it's not necessarily a bad thing to be a shepherd, but I would say it's kind of a, a menial task. It's like a task that they would give to little kids and say, well, it's not really an important thing to do to be a shepherd, but we'll give it to the kids and they can go and be shepherds. Uh, they can go and they can hang out with the sheep. And what they would do is, uh, at, at this particular time, what they would do, and a little spoiler alert here, by the way, um, the shepherds would stay in the fields typically from February or March until November. That's not necessarily to say, to be dogmatic about it and say that they couldn't have been there in December or on December 25th. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying most of the time it would have been when the weather was decent that they would have been staying out in the fields. So, here you've got shepherds staying out in the fields, and they're, they're like, you know, they got this menial task, if you will, of taking care of sheep. That's what they did. Uh, they were in charge of making sure that the sheep didn't run off. I mean, that didn't require a whole lot of knowledge to be able to do that. It's not like they made a whole bunch of money doing this either, but just the way that people kind of looked at the shepherds was a little different. They didn't necessarily fit in with the rest of society. Uh, they didn't necessarily have an important job, so... That made them a little bit of an outcast too. You see, shepherds were, you know, considered to be so simple-minded. <laughs> There's that word, simple. Uh, so simple-minded, as a matter of fact, that they wouldn't be allowed to testify in court. Uh, they just didn't think the shepherds were qualified enough to be able to put things together in their mind to be able to testify in the court of law. So they weren't allowed to testify in court in this day and time. 
shepherds were responsible for taking care of the sheep and the lambs that, that would be used in the sacrifices at the temple, right? The atonement for sin, the payment for sin. They would be used at the temple for sacrifices. So even though the people didn't necessarily see that they had an important job, without the shepherds, they would have been in a world of hurt, right? They wouldn't have had the animals to sacrifice. If somebody had to do it, and the shepherds were the ones that, that took care of them. They're the ones that took care of the sheep and the lambs. So here we got these people that are kind of on the outside. And as a matter of fact, they were even so much on the outside that people looked down on them because they couldn't necessarily keep the Sabbath holy, right? Because, uh, you know, God had instructed that man, he should, he should make the Sabbath a holy day. He shouldn't do a whole lot of work on the Sabbath, which is actually Saturday. They didn't necessarily want to want people to do anything on the Sabbath. They should keep that and make that a holy day and not really lift a finger or do anything. So shepherds were kind of looked down upon uh, from a religious perspective because they didn't necessarily keep the Sabbath holy. When you're out there taking care of sheep and you're sleeping out in the fields and, and the sheep have got to eat no matter if it's Saturday or not, right? Uh, the shepherds have got to take care of the sheep and make sure they don't run off. So everybody else kind of looked down on them a little bit because they couldn't necessarily keep the Sabbath holy. Now understand, I want you to know that, that we celebrate the Sabbath on Sunday now because that is, that is the day that Jesus arose from the grave and that's the reason that we celebrate it on Sunday and that's the reason we're here on a Sunday and not on a Saturday. So I didn't want there to be any confusion on that. But listen to me, these people were kind of looked down upon because they couldn't necessarily keep the Sabbath holy. And you can imagine also that they were looked down upon a little bit because they were dirty. Maybe they didn't have as, as nice of clothes. You imagine sitting out there in the fields all the time that your clothes would be a little bit dirty, maybe a little tattered and worn and that kind of stuff. You didn't make a whole lot of money taking care of sheep, so you probably didn't have such nice clothes. Let me tell you something, man. There is, there's too many people out there, and, and they don't preach this with their lips. If they preach this with the way that way that they look and the way that they act. They, they, they look down on people and they say, man, you're, you're not good enough because you don't have the right clothes. You're, you're not good enough and you really shouldn't come and be a part of our church because you're not dressed a certain way. You're not, not clean enough so you, you can't go and you can't be a part of what we're doing because you don't look a certain way. And, and maybe you got a job that's not so important in the world and, and the first thing you get asked when you come into church is, well, what do you do for a living? And you're like, well... I, you know, I do this or I do that. And you kind of look down on yourself and you don't feel like you fit in. That is one of the reasons, folks. Listen to me. My heart is for simple church, for us to not get like that, to not become like that. My heart, my heart is for people, for everybody to feel like they fit in. All the misfits, all the people that feel like you don't fit in anywhere else, you come here. And you can go and you can tell other people that. Man, if you have gone other places and you feel like you don't fit in or you don't have the right clothes, you come with me and you come to Simple Church because I promise you, you will fit in there. And that is my heart. I, there, there's plenty of places for people to go that, that they want to, you know, talk about their nice clothes or talk about their nice jobs and all that kind of stuff. That's fine. That's fine. I want a place where anybody can come no matter how good your job is or how low it is or how nice your clothes is or, or how not nice your clothes are, that's the kind of place that I want to have because that's the kind of place I believe Jesus would have us to have. 
I do not, I do not want people to say, well, I went over there, but, but I was, somebody was sitting in my chair, so I got mad. Let me tell you something, I'm not going to be that way. It is not going to be okay for you to have a reserved seat in here. Everybody is welcome. If you, if you start getting crazy about that as my designated seat, I will, I will combine all the seats, and we'll sit in a row right here, and you all be looking me dead in the eye. I won't do that, man. This, this, that's not this place. This place is different. This place is very different. And if somebody's got your chair and, and you come up to me and you say, hey, somebody's sitting in my chair, man. I, well, first, I wouldn't recommend you do that because it's very likely I will take that chair and we'll go sit outside with it. I'll say, here's your chair. It's right out here. You're welcome to go sit out here. I don't want a place like that. I don't want to worship in a place like that. I don't want to preach the word in a place like that. I want it to be an inclusive place. Jesus' house is an inclusive place. And I believe if you look at these shepherds that were out in the field and they were, they were just out there doing their job and they didn't look real clean and they didn't act real clean and all that kind of stuff, the glory of God fell on these people. You know why? Because Jesus loves everybody because this is an inclusive gospel that he preaches. It says that, that Jesus, the Savior, has been born this day and the day of Bethlehem, they are standing. I want you to understand where these pla- these people were standing. They were standing in the presence of millions of angels. We read through that and we're like, "Man, that's great. That's wonderful. Glory to God in the highest." Man, that's wonderful. Uh, that do you understand that what they were standing in the presence of? Can you imagine standing in a field somewhere, looking up, and all of a sudden you're in the presence of millions of angels, and the whole place is filled with the glory of God? That the that God Himself. He represents himself as light. You know that? That God actually shows himself as light. The Shekinah glory of God. That's the same God that led the people of Israel by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. That very fire is the Shekinah glory of God. It is God himself represented as light leading the people of Israel. And when Adam and Eve were walking in the Garden of Eden and they were with God in the cool of the day and they were, they were hanging out with God, he was represented by light. Now, once they brought sin into the world through doing what God had told them not to do, God had to get them out of the garden. You know why? Because if you were in the presence of God and you were unholy, you will be consumed immediately. Moses, he said, he said, he said, God, if you'll just let me see you, just get a little taste of your glory. Let me, let me see who you are. If that glorious light of God had been in the presence of Moses, he would have been consumed immediately. God said, you go hide in those rocks over there, and I'll pass by you, and you'll see my light. You'll see my glory. You'll see me go past, and you'll be able to experience just a little piece of me. Because if you see me in the place that you're in right now, you will be consumed. And God was just protecting Moses when he sent Adam and Eve out of the garden. He was protecting them. Because they would have been consumed immediately. These people were standing in this light that shines and glorifies. It, it, it glorifies the kingdom of heaven. When the new heaven and the new earth come, it will shine all day long. You know why? Because the glory of God will light it up all the time, 24-7. They won't, I, I am praising God for the day that, that he comes back. You know why? Because I don't have to worry about the fact that I don't sleep very much. I don't sleep very much. I don't know why. I think I'm crazy, and that may be the reason I don't sleep very much. Uh, but when I get to heaven, when, when, when God's glory is there, it's going to be daytime all the time, and I don't have to worry about going to bed. I don't have to lay there at 3 o'clock in the morning waiting for the sun to come up anymore because it will be light all the time. I can go out and go do stuff, and 
and, and go fishing and all the kind of stuff I don't do right now. I can go do that at 3 o'clock in the morning, you know. It'll be great. Here these people are standing in the presence of an almighty God. They're standing and, and, and these angels, listen to what it says. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped in snuggling strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the, he, the armies of heaven, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to, to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in a manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone uh, what had happened. And the angel had said to them about the child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. I want you to know something about this inclusive gospel of Jesus. He started this uh, he started this thing when he came to this earth, but he proclaimed it early when he started his ministry. After he went into the wilderness and he was tempted by Satan, he comes back and he, he, he goes to the, the synagogue on the Sabbath and he starts looking at the scriptures. What they would do on the Sabbath is they would pull out the scroll with the scriptures on and they would read them. And Jesus, when he started his ministry, I want you to know something. This is what he said. This is what he said his ministry would be about. And this is what it says in uh, Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 17. It says, in the, scroll, uh, in the scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. And he unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the captives will be released and the blind will see and that the oppressed will be set free and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll and handed it back to the attendant and sat down. All the eyes in the synagogue looked upon him intently. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said, I have come to preach good news to the poor. I have come to preach good news to those that don't feel like they fit in. I, I, I come to preach good news for those that feel like that they're too low, they're not able, they can't do enough, that they feel like everybody else has shut them out and closed the door on them. That's the people that have come to preach the good news to. The people that are suffering from physical ailments, the blind, the, the people that are hurting, that's the people I've come to set free. I want you to know something, folks. Listen to me. Listen to me. This Gospel is an inclusive gospel, and it was proclaimed by God when he went to those shepherds and said, I am going to show you, you shepherds, you are the ones that are going to be witness to the fact that all heaven is broke loose because Jesus is born. He said, I, I want to show you, you shepherds out in the field, that you think nobody cares about you, you think that you're not good enough, all of you people, you are the ones that God is going to include in this great story. Can you imagine? I mean, if... If God really wanted to have this amazing, unbelievable story told, don't you think that he would have gone and, and had Jesus, the announcement of his birth, proclaimed maybe 
you know, to the, to the high priest or, or maybe to some of the Pharisees or Sadducees or somebody like that, one of the big religious rulers or, or maybe one of the, the military leaders or something like that so that they would go and they would tell everybody about it. No, not our God. Our God goes to a bunch of lowly shepherds and he says, I want you to know something that the Savior has been born. You know who those shepherds are? Man, that's you. That's me. That's all the times we feel like we're not good enough, man, that's us. God has proclaimed this good news. And you know what they did? They said, let's go see it. Let's go be a part of it. I don't want to sit here in the field anymore. I want to go and I want to be a part of this thing that has happened. Let's not stay here anymore. You know that that's, that's what God has called us to do? As people that have, have seen the glory of God, maybe you surrendered your heart and life to him and you say, man, Man, I, I, I can't stay away anymore, man. i got to be a part of this thing. i got to go see and what else is to come. Maybe, maybe you've got a taste of it, and you're like, man, I, just, I need more of that. You know, I, I, need to, I need to see what this Jesus thing is all about. And, and you haven't surrendered your heart and life to Christ, and you haven't followed him completely, but at least you're getting a taste of it. And you're saying, man, i got a taste of God's glory. I have seen it, man, and I want to know what it's all about. I want to understand this thing. I want to see what, what this simple church is all about, what these people are proclaiming, that, that Jesus has come for me no matter what I wear to church. Yes, yes, yes. Don't you get it? It is for all of us in all of our messed up ways. It is for the island of misfit toys. It is for each and every one of us in all of our messed up ways. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. It is for every single one of us. Uh, I, intentionally, I intentionally didn't tell Connie to put this on the, on the screen because I just wanted you to absorb this. I want you to listen to the words in John chapter 10 about what Jesus says that he is. By the way, being a shepherd is not such a bad thing after all. As a matter of fact, Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. <laughs> yes, he is the good shepherd. Uh, beginning in verse 10 of John, or the chapter 10 of verse, uh, excuse me, chapter 1, verse 10 of John. I tell you the truth, anyone who seeks, who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the, gate, the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant. So, they, so he explained it to them some more. This is good. I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. You know what that means? You know what, what would happen at night is the sheep were, were there gathered at night and they would kind of put them in a sheepfold so they wouldn't run off, they wouldn't get lost. You know where the shepherd slept? He slept at the gate. He slept at the gate so the sheep couldn't get out. That is the doctrine of eternal security. That means that once you're in the sheepfold, once you're one of us, once you come into the kingdom, you're never getting out the gate. You know why? Because Jesus is the door. He says not only is he the shepherd, but he is the gate, he is the door, and nobody's getting out without going through him. Nobody's coming in without going through him, and nobody's getting out without going through him. He says once you're one of mine, you're one of mine, you're not going away. I've got you, you hear my voice, you know that it's me, and I am your shepherd. This is what he says, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved they will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thieves' purses, 
purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees the wolves coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and there isn't, and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolves attack and scatters the flock. And the hired hands run away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. You hear what he says over and over again? I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. Jesus Christ, the good shepherd. You know why he's a good shepherd? Can you imagine a shepherd laying down his life for the sheep? That doesn't even make good sense, does it? If one of you were out there taking care of a bunch of sheep, I don't think that we would say, you know what, I'll give my life for one of those sheep. But that's the good shepherd. That's what he did. He said, he said my life is worth it for my sheep. That's the good news, folks. That, that's the good news. Sheep aren't really smart. They don't really have a whole lot of ability to go, and sometimes they wander off because they ain't real smart. Oh, that's exactly me sometimes. I ain't real smart, but sometimes, man, I go, God, I don't know why you died for me. You should have died for somebody else. But that's the good shepherd, and that's what he did, and he's the gate. He's the way, and there's no other way. And if you're trying to get into the sheepfold any other way, it won't happen. You have to go through Jesus, the, great, the good shepherd. There's no other way. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? It's a beautiful picture. You know, I told you when I was 12, 13 years old, I was kind of the butt of all the jokes. And I didn't necessarily, I didn't, I, wouldn't, like, I didn't really fit in. Even in my little, little circle of friends, I didn't really fit in so much. Some of you feel that way in, 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 in your relationship with Jesus. You feel like, yeah, I don't really fit in so much. I hope that today you've been encouraged by the fact that, that Jesus died for you. That because he's the good shepherd, because he cares for you, that's the reason he brought you here today. Do you recognize that? That that is the reason that God brought you here today. You may think you came with a friend. You may think you came because you saw a sign out on the road or you heard about it or something like that. That's not the reason. The reason you're here today is because Jesus wants you to know that he died for you. Even though you may feel like a misfit and you don't fit in, you're not quite right and everything's kind of messed up and I got a past and a history and all that, Jesus wants you to know he died for you. While we were still sinners, Christ died. All of your messed up, misfit ways... God says, I'll take them all. I'll take them all on me. I didn't feel like I fit in sometimes. And there even today, when I don't feel like I fit in with a group of people. The good news is I fit in with Jesus. And I fit in in the kingdom of God. And I'm so thankful that everybody else in the kingdom of God is messed up because I am too. And praise God, he died for all of us. Let me pray. And I, I want you to hear something from me. Listen to me real quick. You are good enough for the kingdom. You hear me? You are good enough for the kingdom. There's a voice that tells you you're not good enough. But this voice from this word, from the mouth of Jesus himself, says you are good enough for the kingdom. Just like those shepherds. If you need to surrender your heart and life to Christ, come and find somebody. Let us tell you how you can do that. Let us tell you how you can hear from Jesus that you are good enough. Let me pray. Father, we love you. God, I praise your name for the fact that even though there's so many things in my life that are messed up, there's so many times I've fallen short, there's so many times when I just, 
God, by the world's standard, I wasn't good enough. God, I praise your name for the fact that the good shepherd died for me. God, I know that I'm not worthy of that. But because you're full of grace and you're full of mercy, God, you still died. Even when I was a sinner, God, you died for me. Lord, thank you for loving the misfits. Thank you for loving the people that feel like they don't fit in. God, I pray that, Lord, if there's somebody here that doesn't know you, God, that they would surrender their heart and life to you. God, they may not know what that looks like, and they may not understand all the ins and outs of that, God, but it all starts with the first step of obedience. It's just that I need Jesus. So, Lord, if there's somebody here like that, God, I pray, Lord, that they would find me, they'd find somebody and say, I just need Jesus. God, I thank you for being the good shepherd, the one that died for me. 